He is a Denver native born of Denver natives. A former Denver chief deputy district attorney, he is now an active Colorado trial lawyer. Bright, independent, and full of fun, he has been part of the media for decades. This is The Craig Silverman Show. What a world, what a life, what a day. Saturday, November 19, 2022. Last show before Thanksgiving. Enjoy the holiday. I had the great pleasure of going to Northern California, meeting my first great nephew or niece, happens to be a nephew, Cassidy K. Gosh, he's special. So is his grandmother, my little sister, Dr. Nancy K. She's going to be a guest on an upcoming show, but a guy just a little younger than her and me, Scott Levin, he went to TJ, Nancy and I went to GW, but he came up in Southeast Denver, became a great lawyer, gave up his lucrative practice 12 years ago to become the regional director of the Mountain States Anti-Defamation League. Now that's a big job. He's the go-to guy in Colorado and the surrounding mountain states. You've heard of Jonathan Greenblatt. He's the guy back east who's the top director nationally, but Scott's on television all the time. And they take stands on civil rights issues, many of them involving Jews. They also take stands on behalf of other groups that are being demonized, persecuted, suffering from bigotry. Right now, there are so many anti-Semites to discuss. There could not be a more timely guest. We talk about Donald Trump, Kanye West, Kyrie Irving, Dave Chappelle, too. Do you think his monologue on SNL was bad? We talk about that. We start off talking about Governor John Evans, who was not a good guy because he did the Sand Creek Massacre. He did it just as surely as Donald Trump did January 6th, although, thank God, there weren't 230 people butchered on January 6th the way it happened at the Sand Creek Massacre. And John Evans, sorry, your name needs to come down from that mountain. Let's rename it Mount Blue Sky It's been approved. The process is well underway. It's a sure thing. We've got a sure thing song from our troubadour, Dave Gunders. He's got the going away blues for the Evans family. But as we discussed, the family has some good people in it, people who realize the wrongs committed by their ancestor and even testified in support of the Native Americans who wanted the name changed that way and they should have a big say in that and mount evans now to be mount blue sky will it live on what about evans avenue going through aurora denver lakewood we talked about all of this first with scott levin then with our troubadour dave gunders interspersed is some amazing sound if you missed it with dave chappelle we've got it in the interview Did you hear about Louis Farrakhan warning the ADL? Louis Farrakhan. They're anti-Semites on the left, on the right, 
And guys like Scott Levin from the ADL, take them on. After a short break, give a listen to my friend Scott Levin, Regional Director, Anti-Defamation League. Thank you. It's hot in here. Did that toaster catch on fire? It wasn't that. You choked on that bite of burnt bagel. Why is everything all red? The heat is unbearable. Where am I? Excuse me, your dishonor. May I step in on behalf of my client? Mr. Silverman, proceed. Tell me one redeeming good thing your client did. He was a faithful listener to my radio show. Not good enough. He had decency and compassion for his family. He did end-of-life planning with Michael Bailey. The Michael Bailey? That is kind to your loved ones. That is smart and way too decent for this place. Your client can go. And what about me, your despicableness? Why should I? Michael Bailey is my lawyer, too. Go on, then. Get out of here. (laughs) Now, part of that was serious, and part of that was fictional. But you will die someday, and if you don't make a legal plan, the government will make one for you. Call my lawyer, Michael Bailey. His rates are reasonable, and he can meet with you and your spouse wherever you want, and on weekends and evenings. 720-394-6887 or online at mblaw.com. LLC.com. Now back to the Fred Silverman Show. Hey, being a lawyer is a matter of judgment. You have to know the law, the facts, but good judgment is essential. If you don't understand how Donald Trump is culpable for the crimes committed in his name, then I question your judgment. I have the good judgment to question Donald Trump. If you want a lawyer like that, Instead of a knucklehead who believes in the MAGA propaganda, call Craig, 303-734-7156, 303-734-7156. I am Craig, Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. Welcome to Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. Hello. Scott Levin, thanks for doing the podcast. Always. Always great to talk to you. I know. We've done it on the radio, but with the (laughs) podcast, we can go more in-depth and with a worldwide audience. Tell everybody how far back we go, because you're a Denver boy, too. Well, I think we met each other when we were in junior high, but I'm proud to say that you're a couple years older than me, so... You know, I've just been following in your footsteps. Fantastic. Did you go to George Washington as well? No, I went to Thomas Jefferson High School. Well, then we... But we, we were both, though, in AZA 6 playing softball for a short time. Right. AZA, do they still have AZA chapters? I believe they do. But you and I aged out of it a long, long time ago. Well, this is fantastic for you to carve out the time to speak with us under the extraordinary history that we are living through for the Jewish people, for the American people, for the world. I know you are busy on a Friday afternoon, uh, but there's a lot of news today. I want to get your reaction. And since you are regional director of the Mountain States Division of the Anti-Defamation League, it seems to me you know something about mountains. Am I right? The Rocky Mountains? <laughs> I do. Uh, not only uh, not only living here for our entire lives, but uh, 
I have the pleasure of going up there uh, every weekend and doing a hike. So I'm learning more and more all the time. And since you followed my career so closely, you know, I graduated from Colorado College, which is dominated by Pikes Peak. And then I went to CU Law School where, I don't know, maybe Long's Peak is the dominant feature. Uh, But then as Denver boys, it's always been Mount Evans. But now with the unanimous approval of the big board of the state of Colorado, a geographic renaming board, Mount Evans no more. Say hello to Mount Blue Sky. I'm all for it, and I I bet you in the ADL have some thoughts about that. Well, thank you. I do. I mean, the reality is is we can always do better. And as we've learned more and more about Governor Evans, and we've actually, you know, come to a point where we can do a little reckoning and uh, on it. Uh, it is not the best person for us to be naming something that is just such a symbol of this state after. And so um, changing it to a, a name that's important to Native Americans and Indigenous people, I think, is really the the least of what we can do as recompense. Right, because Governor happened. Evans was most responsible for the Sand Creek Massacre, 278 people killed, women, children. It's the worst atrocity I've ever heard of in Colorado. So why would we honor that guy? I'm glad this is done. Yeah, if if we could, you know, a lot of people uh, get attracted to the names and places that they grew up with, and they have a hard time changing. But when we look at, for instance, across the South, all of these army forts and stuff that are named after Confederate generals and uh, uh, high-ranking people in the Ku Klux Klan. It's just horrible that anybody would try to identify their area with people that took such despicable acts. And so the fact that uh, we can do the same thing by making a change in Colorado, I think it's a great step in the right direction. Right, but where does it end? Right between GW and TJ is Evans, right? A major (laughs) east-west thoroughfare through Denver. I bet that name gets changed to Blue Sky, too. And I'm for that as well. Yeah, but, you know, George Washington High School and Thomas Jefferson High School are named after two people that were slave owners. So, really, you can take this um, as far as, um, uh, you know, it could go very, very deep and very far. Um, and it's uh, these are always difficult choices, and that's why it's important to really get the opinions of not just uh, you know the dominant culture, but the culture that's been affected. And for instance, in the Mount Evans, the fact that they involved the Native American population and its leaders in the discussion about changing the name was great. And I think that there's a lot of places we could do the same type of thing. It's a great model. That's why I have you on. You are so smart. You had a, a brilliant legal career for how many years? You made. I, you, I practiced law. I practiced uh, actively practiced law, I say, for almost 30 years as a trial attorney in the Denver metropolitan area. Very, and I've now, very good, very successful. And then yeah. you had another act in you after three decades. Tell everybody. When you made the big decision to give up your lucrative law practice and go full-time with the Anti-Defamation League, a lot of us were startled when you made that commitment. What year was that, okay. and what drove you to it? That was exactly 12 years ago this month that I made that decision to do it. 
Um, and uh, it was really the ability to take the talents that I had and that I had developed as a lawyer and as a sort of nonprofit volunteer, which I was very involved with a lot of different organizations in the area, and to be able to make that into my professional career. So I, I wake up every day and feel just privileged and lucky to be in a position where I can match my passions and my talents and and be able to get a modicum of payment for it. So it's it's uh, really great. I, right. I think I was I was motivated at the time by a short sighted belief that I had my kids had uh, all finished school and right. college at the time, and I thought, well, I don't I don't need any more money. Right. <laughs> so I, right. I might have been a little short-sighted there. I don't know if that's a Jewish expression, but you make plans and God laughs, right? That's that's for sure. And uh, I, like I said, I just feel very fortunate well, to have this you, platform. Yeah. Well, you're doing a great job, and you're a bit of a prophet because 12 years ago, I wasn't feeling the issue that strongly. Now, your parents, my parents, they grew up worrying about the Holocaust, World War II from a, hey— what's going to happen here uh, perspective. And I think that got passed into us. But I have to say that GW was well integrated. And while there was racial strife, I never really felt that much anti-Semitism till about the last five or six years. And now, it's, you know what I mean? So I, yeah. I, I feel blessed. But was it something that you felt coming when you moved into the arena? Or did you think it would be sleepier than this? Well, I certainly thought it'd be sleepier than this. I'll tell you that 12 years ago when I started, we had maybe eight to 10 anti-Semitic incidents that our office was working on. And it was very difficult because for each one of those, you have to deal with the target of the anti-Semitism, provide them support and resources and really enable them to get their own safety and security and confidence back after being the target of anti-Semitism. So eight to 10 was a lot. But I will tell you, 12 years later, we will have well over 100 incidents, ten, a more than tenfold increase in that period of time of the amount of anti-Semitic incidents. And uh, it does get a little exhausting because there is just so much of it. And of course, the biggest spike occurred over the past now six years. Um, yeah, uh, I wonder who's merchants on the political scene that corresponded with. Now, I won't get you in trouble because the ADL is nonprofit. Do you have limitations as yeah, to how far you can say or go? Well, we're we're a, we're a nonpartisan organization, but I think we call the balls and strikes as we see them. Certainly, with uh, the emboldenment of hate and the language that. The former president used it impacted all targeted communities, but uh, none more so than the Jewish community. And part of that isn't, it, it's not even all the direct things that he said, but when you have your leader model using such language um, about talking about, you know, that he, he wants people wearing yarmulkes that are doing his, his accounting for him, you know, that buys into the tropes. But it also is that when he spoke the way that he did about people from Mexico, or he talked about women, or he talked about other targeted groups that are out there, it seemed to allow the haters who had previously been under their rocks to come out and to say whatever ugly thing was on their minds. Well, good. I think he's going to get his comeuppance. They just appointed a special prosecutor named Jack Smith. He's been working in The Hague 
and I think that he's been probably well vetted, and I think he's just being brought in to make a charging decision, something I had the power to do when I was a prosecutor in Denver. I bet things are going fast, and the reason I bring it up to you, Scott, as head of the ADL, is there's going to be charging decisions on the Mar-a-Lago papers. Uh, I don't really know the Jewish component of that, although who knows what he had that was top secret. But January 6th, I haven't had a chance to really talk to you about that and what I perceived uh, to be the same momsers, that's Yiddish for bastards, who were at Charlottesville, uh, the people with the Confederate flags, the, the Nazi-type stuff, the people who chanted Jews will not replace us. It seemed to me that those were the same kind of people breaking in on January 6th. And when that Confederate flag was run through the Capitol, it broke my heart. What about you, Scott? Oh, you know, it doesn't surprise me because we've been friends for such a long time. I I really had tears in my eyes when I saw that Confederate flag go across the rotunda, having myself spent quite a bit of time in, in the Capitol. But I think the other thing to recognize, Craig, here is that anti Semitism is at its heart a conspiracy theory. It's built on lies that all can be adjusted and modified and massaged to fit whatever you know, the hater wants to do, but it's really just conspiracy theories. So that when we see all the conspiracy theories that went around election denialism and, uh, you know, the, the other types of things that were being pushed out by the former president and his campaign, it's, it's a concern. Because again, if you buy into one conspiracy theory, it means that you're going to be going into another one. And unfortunately for all of these haters, we have found throughout time that the common denominator is their anti-Semitism, or as today, I just have to call it by its real name, Jew hatred. And I um, love that. So, I, I well, quoted Ronald Lauder, who first brought that to my attention on Twitter. And then for a column I wrote, I looked up the roots of anti-Semitism. It goes back to a German word, Lauder, who's kind of conservative. I don't know the man you do. What is he, the head of the... World Jewish Congress, yeah. really wealthy. Correct. Uh, and, and he said, let's stop saying anti-Semitism. Let's call it out as Jew-hating. Is that what you support, or where do you guys, where does the ADL come down on that? Well, I can't, I can't speak for the whole ADL on that, but I will tell you that I have absolutely started in, my, in uh, discussions in public and in the media to call it what it is. I think, unfortunately, today— Anti-Semitism has become so normalized, it's be- and it gets wrapped up in anti-Zionism. It's almost a kind of academic, nuanced kind of word. Jew hatred is a stark reality of what's going on, and I, I think we need to just call it what it is. And a lot of people took note of the very conspiracy theory, election denialism, and we shorthanded it with the big lie, capital B, capital L, which is a Holocaust reference to the fact that, oh, we really didn't lose World War I, the Jews stabbed us in the back, they made us do this, they made us do that, it was all the Jews' fault. And we borrowed that phrase, almost like Trump borrowed America first and said, This fits here. And I have to say, 
I thought it did, because just like you, I could see right away where this would lead if, if, if people played it out. And they did. And it led to January 6th, and God knows what comes next. Yeah, well, and look, when we have these organizations of the Proud Boys and the Three Percenters and the Oath Keepers and the other people that, as you noted first, really came to a lot of people's attention. We've been tracking them for a while, but a lot of people became aware of them at Charlottesville uh, when they marched across at the Unite the, the Right rally, or as I like to call it, Unite the White. But it really is um, with that those chants of Jews shall not replace us. And as you know, Craig, they aren't really talking about that you or I as Jewish people are going to take their jobs what they believe is, is that Jews are somehow bringing in the minority people, blacks and brown people and Asian people, and that those are the people that are going to take away the white man's jobs. And of course, the Jews are doing that to manipulate and to control and to take over the world. I mean, it's just absurd. It's ridiculous. But it is what animates a lot of the, these people. And the same ones that were doing that in Charlottesville, the same organizations you know, came forth to nearly topple our government by going into the Capitol the way that they did. Right, um, and it but, cannot happen without supportive media. And this is where I've started to love the ADL really a lot. I mean, I've always liked the ADL, but when the ADL took on Tucker Carlson and Fox News, because he advocates that replacement theory, and boy, was I impacted by Ken Burns' special, The U.S. and the Holocaust. Yeah. And I saw how the replacement theory is uh, part of what led up to World War II. And uh, so many people died unnecessarily because of uh, people like Tucker Carlson, America yeah. Firster. So, I mean, what speak on that. I mean, and, and then there's talk radio, which, you know, worships Tucker Carlson. It's an echo chamber, and increasingly, I feel the anti-Semitism, the Jew-hating coming from there. Well, so much of what we find with uh, what's happening with all of these wonderful technological advances that are we're taking place in communications is it's all about who can draw the most attention. Where do the most clicks come from? And what we have found is, is that they come largely from hate. It animates people. And these different platforms are really um, finding ways to profit off of the ugliness and the hate that's out there. So we've, we've initiated campaigns like um, ADL's fighting hate for profit was against uh uh, Facebook uh, about a year and a half ago, asking advertisers to pause for a period of time in their advertising. And, it, and we had 300 of the nation's biggest corporations that didn't advertise on Facebook for a month just to bring attention to it. Today, with what's going on with uh, Elon Musk and mm -hmm. Twitter, um, we're in coalition with other organizations. And again, looking for a pause there as he's, he's dismantling any of the internal organs that really would be some of the stop gaps and firewalls to the kind of hate that now Twitter is becoming. And then you get to the national media, the, the, the you talk about the broadcast media that's out there. Again, the more and more attention they can get, the more advertising dollars they can get. And it's just a, a terrible, terrible business model. And I, I've often said that, look, if you can go on to your whatever's your social media, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is of choice, 
And they know because you clicked on one area of interest that all of a sudden you can get advertising that's in that way. It's because their algorithms have figured out what it is you're interested in. They could just as easy filter out when you click on some of the hateful stuff to ensure that it doesn't spread the way that it is right now. Yeah, let's talk about Elon Musk, because I I did not know much about him before I started writing a column again for the Colorado Sun, and I saw some troubling things in his background, and then I thought, whoa, remember that tweet from the GOP House? Now they're in the majority, Jim Jordan, and it had three words, Kanye, Elon, Trump. Like, those were the rock stars for Jim Jordan and that group. I said, oh, that is ominous. And then I thought about Elon Musk, and everybody says, well, he's built a great automotive company, Tesla, out of nothing. Well, didn't Henry Ford do that? And then Henry Ford, the biggest automaker in the world, decided he wanted to buy the Dearborn Independent, which wasn't just some weekly newspaper in a rural part of Michigan. It was distributed all over the country. It was the second biggest weekly, and they printed this conspiracy theory that Jews, what, we have to drink blood of Gentiles, yeah. and, our, and people bought it, and he was yeah. a famous car maker. Do you think, do you worry Musk is like Ford? Well, I, what I worry about is, is there is a power of celebrity that transcends all. And so, you know, we've just witnessed in the last several weeks here, of course, the anti-Semitic rantings of Kanye West and uh, Kyrie Irving. And then, uh, you know, we had some controversy over the comedian Dave Chappelle on Saturday Night Live. Uh, these people have gigantic platforms. When you look at Kanye West, for instance, he has 31 and a half million Twitter followers, which is more than twice the number of Jews in the entire world. When you go to Elon Musk, it's, you know, another several factors more than that of the people that follow and hang on his every word that's out there. And it is troubling. And and, uh, when people adopt uh, anti-Semitic, racist, homophobic, whatever you want of hateful content that's out there, there's going to be some amount of people that are going to follow them and think that they are right. And that's when it gets really dangerous that's out there. Uh, you know, and you'll recall, for instance, that the the only time somebody went into a synagogue, or the first time somebody did, and the worst was at the Tree of Life synagogue that took place in Pittsburgh, and the guy that was the shooter there was animated by the fact of what he had heard about the Hebrew immigrant um, uh, society that was bringing in people from uh, south of the border and helping them uh, acclimate to the United States, as immigration organizations do. Um, and it was, and- it, was, it was right before the midterms, four years yeah. ago exactly, and Donald J. Trump in the White House was nightly talking about caravans doing an invasion of America, and then... While I'm on the air for my normal 9 to noon shift on a Saturday morning with a show well-prepared, as I did with guests like Scott Levin, great guests, <laughs> and, but, but all of a sudden the news reports came out uh, about what happened at the Tree of Life Synagogue, and I just poured my heart out, and the oh, callers yeah. did as well. And then I'll tell you what, from the rest of the crew over there, 
nothing, crickets. Uh, now, you know, the whole week, it's like nothing happened. Uh, terrible. You know, it's, this, that's just what I mean. It's like that book. I haven't read it yet. Shoes don't count. I mean, it, it just struck me, the lack of reaction. And, yeah. and, and the fact that you want to connect the dots between Trump and hate crimes, that guy was listening to Trump. They they got all his social media. He was convinced the Jews were behind some invasion of America. It was classic Tucker Carlson stuff. Am I right? Exactly. It's absolutely right because I think what happens is, and you can say that these people are troubled, or you can say that they're you know they have mental issues or whatever it is. But when you put the word out and you're a leader like that, somebody's going to respond to it, and it's often unfortunately going to be in a very deadly way. Um, and that's that's why it's important. And one of the greatest ways we have, I think, to counter anti-Semitism, racism and all the other isms that's out there is not only that we speak out against it like you did on that Saturday morning, but we need everybody else to speak out as well. And especially our leaders. We're, we're you know, Jews in America are less than three percent of the population. We can't affect this ourselves. It takes a whole of society to do that from top to bottom. Right. And where were my allies on the radio? Where were they to say, how does this affect the Jewish people? I mean, right. I just, uh, anyway. It, it, it but, if you take, yeah, but if you take that to forward now, I mean, you, you and I probably both recognize the fact that it took Adidas a little while before they decided to do away with Kanye or Ye's uh, Yeezy products uh, that they sell that's out there. And I get it. It cost them, I think, a $250 million write-down, so it wasn't something easy to do. But when you think about the fact that it took a while for somebody to be able to respond to a person who said not only that he was going to go DEFCON 3 on the Jews, you know, that's a direct threat, but also said, I can say whatever anti-Semitic thing I want to, and Adidas can't do anything. Yeah, and if he just took it sweet time, I signed about 10 petitions, but uh, Dave yeah. Chappelle went on Saturday Night Live and said, yeah, he said, you can't fire me, and they did so immediately. No, <laughs> no, Dave, not right. But let's not get to Dave just yet. What's up with Kanye West, otherwise known as Ye, and how big of a problem is he for the Jewish people? Yeah. Well, again, I think somebody that has the platform that he does the size of following and the respect that he does for what he's doing. It's very dangerous. He is a, a leader. Um, and, uh, and that's part of what celebrity does. And I think it comes with a responsibility and he has sorely uh, let that drop. Uh, and, and there's just undeniably, it's, it's very rare. We're very slow to label somebody actually as being anti-Semitic because it's, you know, once you've done that, there's not a lot of, places to go right but he admits he admits he's anti-semite and that nobody can do anything about it how long has he been an anti-semite well, apparently he wanted to name his album hitler or something like that yeah i read that as well uh, look i think there's been uh, there's been episodes of him uh, saying and doing things over several years that have been going on uh this this you know uh, as was said by Chappelle, you wake up in the middle of the night and you say, I'm gonna, I vow to go death 
con three against the Jews and then you go to sleep. Right. I mean, uh, what is what's up with that? Uh, I'm going to play that. I'm going to play that monologue because Chappelle said I was up worrying all night. What's he going to do? Right. And meanwhile, Kanye went to sleep. But here's what I think might be part of it, too is that uh, he lost his wife, which is a trauma, and she went to Pete Davidson, which is traumatic. Davidson, that's a Jewish name, even though he went to parochial school because he had a non-Jewish mother. I I think Kanye, and I've listened to him on a bunch of podcasts now, he believes in bloodlines, and I think part of this might be that old trope about black people or Jewish people or whoever's coming in, they're going to steal our women too. Well. I think it's, I, I've read as well that same connection to the loss of his wife, to Pete Davidson, but I think he's been spouting this stuff for much longer than that. But look, when he comes in wearing a shirt that says White Lives Matter, uh, you know, we have to speak out against that, too. Right. Um, and that's part of, I think, especially just, for just us. Because, not because the words in and of themselves, but it's obviously an effort to say, We don't like the movement Black Lives Matter. Everybody knows what it means. Sort of like "Let's Go Brandon," right? It's yeah, exactly. um, It's provocative. It's it's done to provoke. It's done to draw attention. It's done all of those kind of things. But again, words matter. And when you're a leader or somebody with that kind of celebrity, you got to be very, very mindful of what they're doing. Yeah. Do you remember who he had that T-shirt on with? Who who also wore it with him in Paris at a fashion show? I don't remember. It was Candace Owens, a black conservative woman who works for Ben Shapiro. And I've been thinking a lot about Ben Shapiro because Lex Friedman, I don't know if you do podcasts, but he's a smart Russian Jew, gets great guests. He had on Kanye. In fact, he went to Kanye's studio, and boy, it got heated because Lex knows his history. He's really smart, and he got mad at Kanye. I urge you to listen, and then he interviewed Ben Shapiro and asked Uh him a lot of these interesting questions, and Shapiro's undeniably smart. I've met him in Denver, but he, he has such a big audience that he pulls his punches for his conservative crowd, and I know that because did you watch Donald Trump's speech the other night? I did. I thought it was a joke. If I was in a courtroom grading a deputy DA, I'd say, first of all, you should think about doing something else. Second of all, (laughs) where was your energy that— but Ben Shapiro, he comes on the next day and says, well, it might not have been his best, but he made a lot of great points. And it's like, come on. If any Democrat <laughs> talked like that. It's funny. Uh, I thought to myself when I was doing it, because it was Donald Trump that invented the phrase low energy. Right. You know, when he was talking about Joe Biden. And then I thought, boy, that was a really low energy performance that he had given. But it was also, you know, another uh, another way of trying to paint a picture of the world as a dystopian, terrible, horrible place. And, uh, you know, that's just not the universe that I live in. And I live in a universe where there's lots of hate and there's lots of ugliness that's going on out there. But I also live in an area where there's hope. And, uh, boy, didn't hear that from him. All right. Well, when you knew me, you were slightly younger. Hopefully you were aware of the way we dominated AZA basketball, and I went on to play George Washington and stuff. Are you aware that my passion in life until my career came to an end when nobody wanted me anymore 
was basketball. So this situation with Kyrie Irving, it affects me because I... I'm worried about the sports world. So Kyrie uh, Irving, who is a just a tremendous basketball player, he's an odd guy. He does believe in conspiracy theories. He set out most of last year because he thought the vaccines were a conspiracy theory. I think he doubts the, we ever went to the moon. Maybe he thinks the earth is flat and all that's okay. But then he started saying, the Jews stole the rights of black people to really be the Hebrews, and somehow it's another crime we committed that Scott and I have alibis for. Anyway, he he, he promoted a book that has led to violence in Jersey City. You know this better than I do, but it was, it was a terrible book full of Holocaust denial. And uh, when he got questioned about it, he... He, he didn't back down, and then he got suspended, and the ADLs involved. Um, first of all, Scott, you're a basketball fan. You would agree that Kyrie's an exceptional player, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think, again, uh, much like Kanye, he has a tremendous following and people that hang on his every word. And, uh, you know, the maybe the world is flat and you need to look it up yourself. Um, Again, buying into these conspiracy theories all have a bad, bad connection because of anti-Semitism being a conspiracy theory. But in this particular instance, to refer to the, uh, what he had was pushing out to everybody. I think it was from, um, I'm trying to remember. I'm sorry, from Hebrews to right to uh, to African Americans, but it, hey, uh, but he made it the number one bestseller on Amazon because of right. this controversy. So, right for us, look, we're we're a First Amendment organization, and people again in the United States, people need to understand that the First Amendment does allow people to say ugly, terrible things out there as long as you're not inciting violence um, that's going on, and so people can do that. But it's up to all the rest of us to use our own First Amendment voices to put that down. And even uh, one of the things I'm most proud of that I learned about at the ADL, you know, when Amazon first started, as many people will recall, it was a bookseller before it started selling you uh, toilet paper and food (laughs) that's out there. But they sold books. And among the books that they had listed way back in the beginning was Mein Kampf. You know, Adolf Hitler's book, just terribly anti-Semitic and just awful that was out there. And so ADL went to Amazon at the time and said, hey, um, you know, we can't tell you. We don't want to tell you that you shouldn't sell the book because people have a right to be able to read it if they want. But if you're going to click on that book when you go to Amazon, wouldn't you want to at least give people context to say that this was a a big lie Um, or the protocols of the elders of Zion? Uh, I think was actually one that they did that where, you know, you could then get the historical sort of knowledge that this thing was just made up by the czar's secret police and just full of conspiracy theories about Jews. You know, if you want to buy it, okay, but at least have that context. And I think that the same thing needs to take place for this thing that Kyrie is pushing for as well. Um, At least let people know that it is the lie that it is. And again, with lies like you stole an election, you stole our rightful identity. Didn't five people get shot to death in Jersey City over yeah. somebody who believed this lie? 
That's right. It just fuels these flames of division among people. And then you're going to have it land on somebody that thinks that they're going to need to to take a, a, you know, do something terrible. Right now, we've just written uh, Jonathan Greenblatt, the CEO of, of ADO, has been in correspondence with ADO, with uh, Amazon, pointing out that there are over 30 pieces of hateful propaganda ranging from Holocaust denial to the great replacement theory that are this day being promoted and sold by Amazon without any context, without any any explanation. And that's what really, as I said, you know, fuels the flames out there. Right. But it's also a great uh, law school question just because it's it's so hard to figure out. <laughs> I mean, what's the proper response to a Kyrie Irving? And the ADL did get involved. And at first, uh, the Nets and Kyrie Irving were going to contribute 500K. Then Jonathan yep. Greenblatt said, we don't want your money. And now it's a bunch of courses. And he met with the owner who said he doesn't have anything against the Jewish people. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it's troubling topic because if a guy has bad thoughts, what do you do? Do you bar him from working? Uh, how far does it have to go? I mean, I'm sure you're wrestling with this at the ADL. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Well, look, I, I think that's the greatest part of being in America. You can think whatever you want, good, bad, or indifferent that's out there. Um, you know, we have this issue come up with hate crimes all the time. We're not trying to stop anybody's thoughts, um, but there are consequences when you do that. If you commit a crime while you're doing it, obviously you're going to be charged with a crime. If you don't commit a crime, but you do something that I would consider to be stupid, like Kyrie Irving did in this situation or Kanye, you know, it affects your brand. Who wants to be associated with somebody that is identified with anti-Semitism, with racism, with homophobia? All of these things are important, and, and companies all the time have to look at what their RO, their return on their investment is when they're spending these hundreds of millions of dollars on celebrity of whether they want to be attached with them. So, you know, from our perspective, I think it's not a bad idea to point out when you're, when this kind of stuff happens to point out, uh, I might not particularly be interested in your brand again, if it's, you know, associated with somebody who denies the Holocaust or somebody who says they're going to go DEFCON 3. So I think that's actually an appropriate way, and it can still preserve the First Amendment by doing so. Right. But is the ADL in a position of monitoring Kyrie? Have, has the ADL maybe bit off more than it can chew? <laughs> well, look, um, as one of the lead voices in civil rights and in uh, the areas of, of protecting the Jewish people from anti-Semitism or Jew hatred that's out there, um, we do have to pick and choose when it is we're going to use our voice to to speak out, and uh, we've been we've you know had that role now since uh, 1913. And I don't think we're going to abdicate it. It's never been more important, but you do find out who your allies are, and one surprising ally for the last five or ten years is a guy who I didn't like that much. I loved him as a kid with Lou Alcindor, and then he became Kareem oh. Abdul-Jabbar, and then he yeah. denied the nuggets of some championships. His game was <laughs> tremendous. But I'd have to say that, you know, some of his politics, at the time I wondered, well, does this guy 
represented threat? You know, uh, is he is he a friend of the Jewish people? And now it's undeniable. I think he just got this uh, Simon Wiesenthal Award. And the words he writes about anti-Semitism and Kyrie Irving, he's just brilliant, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, don't you yeah, think? He's, he's actually part of, ADL has a uh, national sports council which with a number of uh, professional athletes on it. And uh, he is ab- uh, he's absolutely a member of that. And I've heard him speak. His father was actually among the U.S. Army troops that liberated yes. one of the concentration camps mm-hmm. during the Holocaust. And I, I, I and as himself as a as a convert to Islam, you know, I think it's also a recognition that all of us have a better chance of working together against this kind of hate than uh, being being apart or being against each other. He's and he's as you may also know, he's just an excellent, excellent writer. I remember, uh, you know, maybe a dozen years or more ago when he was writing on jazz music. Um, and he's just a, an expert on it and a, just a great writer. So to have him turn his attention uh, to these issues is just really wonderful. And how about his sky hook shot? I just think he's tremendous, <laughs> but he did. He did get in a fight with Danny Shays, the Jewish kid. Do you remember that? <laughs> I don't remember the fight, but I do remember the skyhook because all of us used to try and emulate that on our driveways right. while we were shooting baskets, right? Right. He, he was just amazing. I liked him so much in my driveway that he'd get introduced at UCLA as, I think, number 33, Lou <laughs> And so my middle name is Alan, so I wanted to be... Craig, Al Silverman, uh, Al Silverman, right, because he was so dominant. In fact, they created a rule where you couldn't dunk anymore because it was so easy for him. He was at a different level, still the all-time scoring leader in the NBA. And yeah. uh, But that's what I, I mean, to, to find allies like that. He, he, in, in the modern times, I, I, you know, you always wondered who would have been a righteous Gentile back in the day. But now we don't have to wonder so much. They're kind of revealing themselves. And yeah. it's like Kareem. He would be a righteous. Well, he's not a Gentile, but you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. And when you change your middle name to Abdul, then we'll be able to, we'll be able right. to say it again. <laughs> yes. It, it, it could happen. It's a long life. But uh, I, I don't know what to think of Dave Chappelle when he talked about Kanye and Kyrie and... Uh, I've watched that monologue. I'm going to play it for the audience. Thank you. Thank you very much for being here. Uh, But before I start tonight, I just wanted to read a brief statement that I prepared. (laughs) I denounce anti-Semitism in all its forms. (laughs) And I stand with my friends in the Jewish community. And that... Kanye is how you buy yourself some time. I got to tell you guys, I've probably been doing this uh, 35 years now. And early in my career, I learned that there are two words in the English language that you should never say together in sequence. And those words are the and juice. I've never heard someone do good after they said that. 
Kanye's gotten into some scrapes before. Normally when he when he's in trouble, I pull up, I pull up immediately. But this time I was like, you know what? Uh, let me see what's gonna happen first. I just wanna see. I just wanna see where this is all going. <laughs> I can't even remember how it started. Vaguely, I remember it started with a tweet, strange tweet. It was like, um, I'm feeling a little sleepy. I'm gonna give me some rest, but when I wake up, I'm gonna go DEFCON 3 on the Jews. And then he just went to bed. I was up all night worried, what is he gonna do to the Jews? I grew up around Jewish people. I have a lot of Jewish friends, so I'm not freaked out by your culture. I know a little bit about it just from hanging around. I'd be like, yo, yo, let's go out after school tomorrow. They'd be like, we can't go out. It's Sha'na'na tomorrow. I'd be like, where? <laughs> what is Sha'na'na? <laughs> I had so many questions. Why do some of your people dress like Run DMC? <laughs> that net, we went right to work. <laughs> a year ago, I'd seen him on a podcast called Drink Champs. Well, great show. Uh, and it was, it was an amazing appearance. Uh, Noriega and them were there, the rappers that I love, and they all had their gold chains and stuff on. And uh, Kanye said, only millionaires wear chains. They said, what? He said, I'm a billionaire. Billionaires don't wear their money on their body. I tucked my chain and I said, oh, snap. <laughs> it was a good appearance. It was fun and funny. But when he woke up, he went on Drink Champs again. This time, he was on one. He was mad about something. He said, I can say anti-Semitic things. And Adidas can't drop me. Now what? Adidas dropped that nigga immediately. <laughs> Ironically, Adidas was founded by Nazis. And they were offended. I guess the student surpassed the teacher. It's a big deal. He had broken the show business rules. Is this a rule? You know, the rules of perception. If, if they're black, then it's a gang. If they're Italian, it's a mob, but if they're Jewish, it's a coincidence, and you should never speak about it. <laughs> Kanye got in so much trouble, Kyrie got in trouble. <laughs> Kyrie, Kyrie Irving posted a, a, a link to a movie that he had seen on Amazon. No caption on the post or nothing like that. But apparently this movie had some, I don't know, anti-Semitic tropes or something. And it was some weird title, like from Hebrew to Negro or something. <laughs> and the NBA told me he should apologize. And he was slow to apologize. And then the list of demands to get back in their good graces got longer and longer. And this, this is where, you know, I draw the line. I know the Jewish people have 
been through terrible things all over the world, but 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 you can't blame that on black Americans. You just you just can't. You know what I mean? Thanks for the one person that said me. <laughs> a fair punishment would be he should just post a link to Shinless List and y'all write your own captions. <laughs> Kyrie Irving's black ass was nowhere near the Holocaust. In fact, he's not even certain it existed. <laughs> I saw one news pundit screaming about Kanye. She said, mental health is no excuse for that type of language. Yes, it is, bitch. <laughs> you kill somebody if you're mentally ill. Listen, okay. I don't think Kanye is crazy at all. I think he's possibly not well. <laughs> well, I've been to Hollywood. No one's y'all to get mad at me. I'm just telling you, I've been to Hollywood. This was just what I saw. It's a lot of juice. <laughs> like a lot. Anything. You know what I mean? There's a lot of black people in Ferguson, Missouri. That made me run the place. <laughs> I could see if you had some kind of issue, you know what I mean? You might go out to Hollywood and your mind might start connecting some kind of lines and you could maybe adopt the delusion that the Jews run show business. It's not a crazy thing to think but it's a crazy thing to say out loud in a kind of like this. It, it struck me. I watched it on a plane, and I'm sitting there thinking, oh, boy. I, I didn't like it. I didn't like no, it. No. You know, I thought that his first uh, 20% of it or whatever right. was, you know, kind of a, a humorous way of doing it. But look, he's a comedian, and it's not necessarily his responsibility to... Uh, to you know, affect all the change. Part of what comedians do is, is they push and they provoke. That's out there. Um, it was, in, to me personally, it was cringeworthy um, about it. But uh, a little different kind of approach that we've taken to him than we did to Kanye and to Kyrie, because again, a comedian holds a little bit different role in our society. Um, I, I'm not going to give him a pass. I'm not happy with him. I wasn't happy with, um, David Chappelle was one of my favorite comedians until he had went anti-trans, anti-women. You know, there's been several kinds of, uh, areas where there's reasons to, to question why he would have been the right selection to be the host on Saturday Night Live, uh, at this time. But, Nonetheless, that's his choice, and again, he'll have the consequences of the words that he spoke as well. Now, there's Jonathan Greenblatt. I like him. He's uh, outspoken. He seems pugnacious. Someday you're going to give me an interview with him. But you are a bigwig <laughs> with how many states under your uh, directorship? The Mountain States region of the ADL is Colorado, New Mexico, and Wyoming. So um, how many so people like you are there around the country? We have 25 regional directors um, around the country, um, plus one in Israel. And, and you, we have. No, go ahead and tell us your story. Well, I was just saying, we also have some people that are uh, in, in Europe as well that work with us. 
So and we so really do you all get together and, and kind of say this is going to be the way we react to this or that? Or how does the decision-making go now? Um, that's a really great question. You know, we're part of a national organization, and our leadership uh, often speaks out on issues. And so I kind of know where my guardrails are, but I, um, I'm given a lot of leeway as well to be able to speak and lead uh, based on what's happening here on the ground of where it is. But we were last just last week, um, we had our Never Is Now conference, the largest uh, conference um, summit against anti-Semitism. Over 2,000 people at the Javits Center in New York City came together. And we heard from people that included Christopher Ray, the head of the FBI. Right. The president of Adidas was there to talk about the issue. Liz Cheney in her first uh, you know, gathering after the midterm elections was there. Um, so it was really just a fascinating assemblage of people. We all came together. I watched, for that. I watched a lot of it. I'm a proud member yeah. of ADL and I'm, but I'm wondering this, when a big decision is made, like we are going to tell Fox news to fire Tucker Carlson for being a bigot and a provocateur that's a big decision yeah. do you get input in that are you taken by surprise oh my god look what my boss just tweeted or how does it work <laughs> i don't get a vote i don't get a vote in that i do usually get a little bit of an advance warning of it and there you know the good news is because i've been in this organization now as a professional for 12 years and i was a lay leader for maybe 20 years before that I kind of know the areas and the, and the direction that we're going to go. I, there's very little that surprises me anymore with it. And, you know, if it, the, the good news of ADL is, is when there is hate of all kinds, we're just going to call it out. And, um, you know, there's risk that comes with that as well. You know, right now, there's, it's not as if like calling out Kanye and Kyrie didn't have some backlash that came mm -hmm. with it as well. But we're going to be true to our mission. And that's a mission to, fight anti-Semitism and secure justice and fair treatment to all. Did you hear the famous clergyman who came out against the ADL over the stand you've taken? The right oh, honorable no. Louis Farrakhan. Oh. A direct <laughs> yeah. video statement to the ADL. For saying something that is anti-Semitic. And he kept telling you, I can't be anti-myself. You didn't want to hear that. You know you came from us. You know that you are not the father of humanity. We know our history and we know yours. We don't like what you're doing to Kyrie or to Ye. And when we see how you want to break him, destroy him, to keep him from saying anything that might enlighten our people. Do you know when you mess up his mind like that, he can't play? I saw the man playing ball the other day and he missed every shot, almost. He can't play with his mind in that state. And when his brother Kevin Durant said, I don't like none of this. He's not saying he don't like the movie. He's not liking what you're doing.
to a man who wasn't doing nothing against you, but searching for greater knowledge. And you decided to break him. You decided to put fear into men like Charles Bogley and LeBron James and other black men who have become rich and powerful. You wanted to say you were saying to them as you were lynching Kyrie, you all better get the point. You all better get the message. They don't want you rising up into that knowledge that will make you a real man and not a glorified punk. Louis Farrakhan is somebody that for um, decades now has just been so anti-Semitic in what he does, and it's so disappointing. Um, he's done so many things to try and bring together the African American community, and he's done some, you know, he's done some good in that. But he has had this one consistent through line, and that is a bent against the Jewish people. Um, I, when you listen to him have his Savior's Day, which he does annually, it's like reading the protocols of the learned elders of Zion. Right. It is absolutely horrible. And nobody, unfortunately, he can still come to town and he can get, you know, 10, 20,000 people to come listen to him, including elected officials and others. And it's just, it's disheartening because he really is so, it, such a scourge. Well, it's I really know. Awful. Yeah, when his organization decided to put a presentation on at GW. This was about 20 years ago. My late brother and I, we went and we protested and we handed out pamphlets to everybody who was attending. So I've never liked Louis Farrakhan, but here I bet you have a lot of discretion as regional director, headquartered in Denver, Mountain States Division. We have our local controversies. And I picked up the paper one day to see that Steve Durham had advocated a change in the curriculum for Colorado students where they're going to be taught that Nazis are socialists. I hate that concept because to say the Nazis came from the left is what Peter Boyles consistently did. To me, Jew haters are always saying that, misrepresenting it. It's not like bad things don't flow from the left. Communism is terrible. It can lead to totalitarianism and uh, genocide, everything bad. But the Nazis came from the right. They yeah. just overtook that name to use basketball metaphor. It's like the L.A. Lakers, right? That, the Lakers are from Minnesota, where they came from. The name <laughs> means nothing. And Steve Durham was the guy who put it in, and I called him, and I got him on my podcast. And, oh, boy, we were off to the races. <laughs> and uh, But you've been all over it. This is something that yeah. Jonathan Greenblatt probably calls you and says, what are we going to do about this, Scott Levin, and tell everybody yeah. what you did do. Well, so, look, um, there is no question in my mind that for ideological political reasons— there were amendments that went into the standards that were being developed. Uh, a few years ago, the state legislature passed a law um, where Holocaust and genocide education would take place in public schools. And we were part of the coalition to get that done because we think there's so many lessons that we can learn today um, from what happened in history. 
And unfortunately, uh, after a committee worked for a full year, a committee of experts, including people from the Anti-Defamation League, that uh, we had teachers, we had people who were experts in the Holocaust and in other genocides. We had people from across Colorado working on it. And uh, when it got up to the State Board of Education, they decided, and largely led by Mr. Durham, to change what some of those things were that the experts said. And as you pointed out, perhaps the worst of all of them was to go back to the name, the original name of the Nazi party, which does have the word socialist in it. But as you pointed out, that was a party that Hitler took over in uh, very early on in the, I think they call it the Night of the Long Blades, went around and killed all the original people that were in that party, and they just took it over for their own authoritarian right-wing purposes. Night of, the, he, uh, Night of the Long Knives. That's it, Night of the Long Knives. And, and from that, it also took out some of the, you know, what happened in Rwanda, what happened in some of the other genocides of, of late. And uh, the good news, I have to say, is, is that after meeting with Steve Durham, um, some of our allies, I was not in that meeting, were able to get him to put back the word uh, Nazi into those social and study standards. And then eventually, when it was passed just a, a couple of weeks ago, a lot of information got added back that he and some of the others had removed to point out that really uh, genocides and, and uh, like the Holocaust, they come from all directions. Um, mainly, we've seen a lot of them that have come from the right, um, as the Holocaust did. But to sit here and try and make it into a political issue is just not only bad history, but it's just bad for society. Well, great work there. Because Steve Durham, he disarmed me because he supported me when I ran for Denver DA in 96. Yeah. And and I, I just tried to uh, speak to him. And I, I think that your encounters and this softening occurred uh, after my podcast because I did it three weeks ago. But uh -huh. it, it was before the Gazette reacted. And I know Wayne Loggison pretty well. And I know Dee Dee Loggison. And dang, it disappointed me when the Gazette, uh, you know, went full Steve Durham on it before he reformed a little. Tell us about yeah. the Gazette and how you felt about yeah. that. The Colorado Springs Gazette, uh, not in an uh, columnist, but in an actual op-ed from the paper itself, came out and said Steve Durham was right. Hitler was a socialist. And again, just bad, bad history than anything else. So actually, I responded with a letter to the editor that I prepared and I had signed off by Rabbis and cantors, our, our Federation of Jewish Colorado, our Jewish Community Relations Council and all. And we really responded loudly and forcefully yeah, that it was just bad. Again, politics should be the, the writers of history. Uh, history should be history. And there are lessons that we can learn if only we'll look. Right. That strong letter is on your web page. Did you get a response from the Gazette or Wayne Loggison or uh, <laughs> Philip Anschutz? No, that would that that would be a, that would be a, probably a bridge too far for them. Well, um, you know that's not I'm the open. yeah. It, there are so many local controversies, including Nader Hashemi, the professor, the the department head at DU. And let yeah. me tell you, I was at KNUS. 
and I never had him on as guest, but I would listen to my colleagues have him on, Chuck and Julie. Always wanted Nader Hashemian, and I realized they liked the Jew-hating aspects of this guy. Because well, everything he would say to me was steered against Israel, and I didn't like it. And I thought yeah. he was misrepresenting things even before the latest controversy. Talked to that. Because I've yeah, been aware so of him for years, and I bet you have been too. I have. I, I've, not, I, I've not found him to be a, a Jew-hater per se. Um, in it, he there as we well know, there are two narratives of what's going on of two different people in the Middle East, and uh, I play for one team, um, and some people play for the other team that's out there, and hopefully we can find a more respectful way that might help get to a peaceful solution that I think would be two states for two peoples that are safe and secure for each of them that are out there. So, um, Professor Hashemi though, went a step too far. He was on a podcast a few months ago where he speculated that the um, murder or the attempted murder of Salman Rushdie, which was when the guy stabbed him in the neck, you'll recall, that that might have been somebody that had been spurred on to action in some sort of nefarious thing by the Mossad, by the Israeli secret police. Um, there is zero evidence that that happened. Um, this, this, that is just not what is the most likely outcome, as Professor Hashemi used those words. Um, and instead, what I viewed that as was scapegoating that was taking place. Scapegoating Jews for something that has happened on the world stage. And again, that's another form of, of these conspiracy theories that are going on. And for somebody of that prominence to not use what I think is appropriate scholarship, if nothing else, is just remarkable. Now, you know, he's come out since then and he said, oh, I'm paid to speculate. And I was just speculating about what that was. I, I still have a problem with that. Again, he's entitled to his opinion, never asked for him to be fired, although a lot of other people were calling for that. Never asked for any of those kind of negative consequences. But what I did ask for was is that the university again, use its own First Amendment rights and to point out how absurd and ridiculous that was and to condemn it. And um, in some form or fashion, fashion, the university did that. But I've also learned that in these days, it's very, very hard with academic freedom and with interpretations of the First Amendment and stuff. It, it can be very difficult for, for professors to, uh, for universities to condemn their professors. I've not had a chance to broadcast uh, the sad passing of Jonathan Edelman, who worked at uh, DU in that same uh, international relations department. He was an expert on Russia and China and Israel. Had him on yeah. all the time. So I'm not an expert on that department. You know a lot more. If you're telling me Professor Hashemi is is okay, I don't know if you've interacted with him. You probably know him better than I do, but... Um, so I can, again, I can I can tell you that I strongly disagree um, with a lot of his positions and things that he says, but I don't. I think where it it, it went way beyond the norm mm -hmm. to be able to speculate about something that really scapegoated the Jews right. when there wasn't there wasn't a scintilla of evidence of that that's out there. Such a despicable crime. But there's a common element yeah. to uh, the Hashemian story and the story about 
uh, the school curriculum and Steve Durham because somebody yeah. who I do know because I worked with her for a long time, Krista Kafer. And I listen to talk radio. You know, it's it, I, I sort of monitor it these days. She's not on anymore because she uh, decided not to back Donald Trump. Although, amazingly, she and Ross Kaminsky went from not supporting him in 2016 to supporting him in 2020. I can understand yeah. the other way, but oh well. Ross Kaminsky yeah. said vote all Republican, including for uh, uh, our Colorado embarrassment, Lauren Boebert, who just beat a nice Jewish guy, Adam Frisch. Way to go, Ross Kaminsky. Nice recommendation. Yeah. But back to Krista Kafer, because yeah. she's... She's been a burr in my saddle because the way she's always handled any Israeli controversy. I don't like it. She's never been a friend of Israel. But as you said, not everybody has to be. But when she right. came to the defense of Steve Durham and this ridiculous uh, Nazis were socialists bullshit, and then when she further ripped the ADL and you for getting on Hashemi for pinning the, the rusty hit on the Jews. I, I mean, what's going on with Krista Kaper? Well, all I can tell you is, is there's always um, somebody for us to respond to or to react to, and we have to sort of decide when we're going to use our, our capital to do that. Um, and I kind of decided in the Kristen Kaper um, op-eds, I mean, uh, columns that she wrote, um, uh, that there would be other people that would be responding to her, and I was going to wait until she wrote something that made a lot more sense. Uh, I didn't find I didn't find what she had written to be particularly that um, consistent or or logical that it was worthy of a response at the time. Um, it was annoying, I'll tell you that. But I decided not to respond to her, as opposed to when the Gazette in Colorado Springs actually wrote it's just totally uh, horrible. So I think Hillel Goldberg beat you to it because the back page of a recent Jewish news really took Krista Kaper to task. And I will too. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I just don't think that she's uh, saying things in a fair way for the Jewish people. I just don't think. Go ahead. Yeah, I responded. I responded to her on the. Um, I actually, I did a letter to the editor to the Post on the Hashemi matter. I didn't go, and uh, yeah, you are right, Rabbi Goldberg did write a good column, um, and a number of other people wrote letters to the editor uh, following her defense of uh, Steve Durham. But look, I also have to give, uh, I again, I, I disagree with him, and like you, I have a res uh, begrudging respect um, for people that think different than I do, and I do have to give it to, to Steve Durham that he did in, in the end allow us to add back the word Nazi. It shouldn't have been that hard to do, but uh, I do give him some credit for that. Honestly, we had sort of a nice discussion, so I hope that maybe I was a little bit of a factor in his rethinking. I hope so. Probably so. Probably you so. You never know. You never know. But um, I, I would say this, as we worry about anti-Semitism, Jew-hating in America Colorado is still a great place, as proved by our election. And the fact, and maybe it's 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 a conspiracy, but it's not. It's a coincidence that there happen to be some great leaders in Colorado. I already mentioned that Adam Frisch is a, a proud Jewish man. 
he came up short, but Jared Polis sure did not. He's a proud Jewish, openly gay man, and he won by 19 points. Phil Weiser is a proudly Jewish man. Jenna Griswold, the same thing. It's it's an embarrassment of Jewish riches in Colorado, isn't it? It is. It is. And, um, you know, I think it's an, it's an interesting thing of their commitment and their work that they do. The fact that they're all Jewish isn't what put them in the position. Um, they're all good Coloradans, good Americans that are there. And uh, I'm just blessed. Uh, I think we're blessed to have them in their positions. I, I totally agree. And they need to speak out. And one of the things that I count on you for is that I maybe I use my elbows too much, you know, when I <laughs> went back east my first year when I thought I was going to be a basketball player, I toughened up before I came back to Colorado. And and maybe I get too rough with Jew-hating. Maybe there's a more tactful way. I'll tell you an experience I had on Cole Nidre at Temple Sinai. And I, I oh, saw yeah. you later at uh, Beautiful Services at Temple Emmanuel. Gosh, Colorado's blessed to have great rabbis. But I love my rabbi, Rick Rines. And on Cole Nidre, you're supposed to renounce all the bad things you said. And with me broadcasting year after year, I have a lot to repent for, and I'm sorry I said this and that. And then I sit down to hear Rabbi Ryan's sermon, and I even posted it with his permission three weeks ago. Silence is sinful, he said. He, too, had watched yeah. that Ken Burns special, and he brought up the Hashemi incident and how Krista came for and he named them from the pulpit. And he said, if she's going to talk, and he, he mentioned you. That if, he, if she's going to use her platform to rip Scott Levin for telling the truth about this situation and to defend Hashemi, then I'm going to speak about this from my pulpit here tonight. And he said, no. what's going on now, silence is sinful. And it was one of the most impactful speeches I've ever heard. In fact, yeah. uh, I, I don't know if you've had a chance to watch a YouTube. You can go to my webpage. But Rabbi Rines is, uh, is a great man. And and, yeah. and and through the years, I've heard Cole Nidre's speeches. And that's where I kind of want to leave it with you, Scott. Where are we at? You know, is this the best of times, the worst of times? Where are we at as the Jewish people and the role of the Anti-Defamation League right now, 2022? And 2023 well, on the horizon. Yeah, we're, we're coming up to a new year, if you can believe it. Look, I, I have to be, by my nature, an optimist, or I wouldn't be able to do the work that I do and wake up every day to fight another fight. I think that we can affect change and that we do affect change. At the same time, we're living in a very challenging time, as we noted, with numbers of anti-Semitic incidents, with numbers of hate overall going up. We, we lead a coalition called Hate Free Colorado, and uh, we did a survey of Coloradans, over 5,000 people that were surveyed on this, and uh, almost a third of them said that in the past five years, they'd been the target of either a hate crime or a bias-motivated incident. So, I mean, this is very real for the Jewish people and for all people. The reason why I think we also live in positive times right now is that there are people that are willing to stand up and speak out. 
and there are people that are willing to really put their own situation on the line to say that this will not stand. This country's gone through difficult times before. I know you're a student of history like I am. You read a lot. You watch a lot of things that are out there. There was a time period where newspapers were owned by the political parties themselves. There's uh, certainly uh, times when you refer to the America First movement and the Christian Front and some of these other things that took place just in the past century. And we've weathered through it. And I think we're going to weather through this too. But again, it's really going to take all of us, a whole of society approach. And for that, I've got to be optimistic or I wouldn't be able to wake up every morning. Well, thank God for the ADL. How big are you? And what is the percentage of Jewish people versus non-Jewish people who choose to support the ADL? And how can people do that? Well, thanks so much for that. Look, we have a a really great following uh, across the country and, and here in this region, and people can support us by going to www.adl.org. They can also go to there and they can see there's a we have a heat map, uh, one that measures uh, harassment and extremism, anti-Semitism and terrorism across the country. And you can look and see what these numbers are and the kinds of incidents that we're tracking. You can look at the education programs that we do, like No Place for Hate. Yeah, we six over sixty thousand kids in Colorado participate in this program in public schools. Um, find out a little bit more about us. I think that would be uh, really helpful. And if you're so inclined, uh, before December thirty first, feel free to support us again at www.adl.org. It's a charitable gift. Is that what you're it saying? Is. That's fantastic. It's, and it's a gift of impact. Know that when you give a gift like this, it really does make a difference. Have you ever broken down the percentages? Because I'm sure it's not just Jewish people who are part of your organization. Oh, no, we're, uh, I, I can't uh, break down because I'd have to then stereotype based right. on people's last names. But no, we're blessed by support from across the way. Because I think we, again, when you have a mission that's both focused on anti-Semitism and Jew hatred, as well as securing justice and fair treatment to all. Really, we, we are really there to support each other. And uh, uh, thank goodness uh, a lot of people resonate with that. We are all in this together. I thank God for your commitment. 12 years on the job. Scott Levin, he's dedicated leader in our community, regional director, Mountain States Division, Anti-Defamation League, my longtime friend and a great lawyer, Thanks for returning to Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. What a pleasure to have you. Always glad to do it. And I can't wait the next time to see you to, to be able to receive Craig Al Silverman. Craig Al Silverman. Number 42, yo. Yes. If only I could have played like him. Thanks, Scott. It was fun. Right, Shabbat well. Shalom. And you too. Take good care. Okay. Bye bye. Now, during the pandemic and otherwise, a lot of people have so much affection for their pets. That must come up all the time. What's going to happen to Scruffy? What can you tell us about that, Michael Bailey? What you can do is create a pet trust in Colorado. You put money into trust, and then that money is available and earmarked to care for the dog. And it can last the lifetime of the dog or 21 years, whichever is shorter. And then when the time frame for the trust is up, you can dictate who gets whatever leftover money or 
I have several clients who will leave it to some sort of animal shelter or animal rescue to be able to care for other animals. How cool is that? You can go to Mike Bailey's office and he has offices all over and you could meet at your home, whatever. I love the way you practice law. You've kept it going for a long time. Tell everybody how they can make you their lawyer. So my phone number is 720-394-6887. And again, that's 720-394-6887. They can call me or they can go online to mobileestateplanning.com. And there's a link there where you can schedule an appointment with me. Okay, here's the thing. You've been hurt. Maybe, God forbid, someone's been killed. You don't know what to do. If it happened in Colorado, please get a hold of me. Check out my website, craigscoloradolaw.com. craigscoloradolaw.com because I have four decades of experience. Sadly, I've helped a lot of people who have been hurt terribly through no fault of their own. 303-734-7156. Please call Craig. Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. 303-734-7156. Sit down here, Troubadour, for crying out loud. All right. We're on. Because you have important things to do. And it involves a chicken. Is that true? Yes, my daughter and, and her fiancé just came in, pick, picked him up at the airport, and now, yes, I need to get a chicken in the oven. It's getting late. Trish could run over there and help you out. Uh, Trish's cooking's great, but I think uh, I'll... I'll All right, uh, you'll do your own seeds. I'll manage, I'll manage. Well, I hope you uh, know this is a very significant day. It's, um, well, let's hear Okay, first of all, there's our last show before Thanksgiving. And are you going to have the whole family in? you got to be grateful for Sarah and Nick. Why don't you share the great news with our audience? Well, my daughter's getting married, and her she and her fiancé are here, and we like them a lot. That's the great news. That is great news. And the ride home from Denver Airport was good. You had a good conversation. Sarah told me all about nursing. That is a tough job. You hear stories, you know, every day something happens. She works 14-hour days, and uh, it's it, it's a lot. I mean, and, they work hard. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's Nurses. Im- important work, you know. Very. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, she was telling me about that. Sometimes she dreads going to work, she admitted. Right. But, but it's, it's, it's hard. But, you know, some days are great. Others are tough. I think today's a great day because of a guy named Jack Smith. You ever heard of him? surprisingly, no. Wouldn't you think that's like a name of yes. an alias, Jack Smith, who has yeah. a name like that? Yeah, you'd that's, think you'd know Jack Smith. He's been appointed by Merrick Garland to be the special counsel against Donald Trump. Right, I heard he, I heard that uh, that Garland was making a, um, a right. special... Uh, uh, yeah, a special. And you can't pin this one on the Jews anymore because his name's Jack Smith, not Merrick Garland. <laughs> well... I don't know how many people were trying to pin it on the Jews. But, oh, you know, come on. Are Donald they? Trump I don't go will to do sites. anything. Nothing concentrates the mind like the thought of going to jail. That's what he's thinking about. And this special counsel is hitting the ground running. It's not like he just got surprised today. He said, 
okay, and he issued a press statement. And bingo, bango, bongo. You know, I did this for a living. Not play the drums, by the way, but make charging decisions. Yes, right. You sit in a room, detectives come in, FBI agents present their case. Yes. Let me see this. Let me see that. You decide and you make whether, a decision. whether to bring charges. Right. It's like you with one of your great renovation projects. You look at what you have to take on. You think about it. You make a decision whether to move forward or not, right? Right. So it may not take long now. Did you hear what else got expedited today? Let's hear. Mount Evans is going bye-bye. It's going to be Mount Blue Sky. That's terrific. That's I terrific. think so. Yeah. I, I think it's great. You should write we've, a we've song We've been calling about it. it Mount Blue Sky for a while now. Right. Right? And it's our dominant mountain, the dominant mountain of my life, of Denver, Colorado. This scoop out of Mount Evans is one of the dominant things, and you can always see what the weather's like. Did it snow on Mount Evans? And it's a harbinger of what's going to happen here. And the timing, I think, is really good in, in light of the um, of the the um, honoring of the Sandy Creek massacre that's that's been happening over these last few days too. I think it must be an anniversary or something. But I know there's a um, there's an exhibit at the at the uh, Colorado Museum, right? The one downtown. I'm not sure of the yeah. anniversary exactly, but it was around Civil War times. Yeah. And you think about all the atrocities of the Civil War born out of bigotry, and this was ours. How many people do you think were killed? At, I mean, it was uh, like 200 innocent, innocent people, yes. you know, children and, 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 and women. 230 Cheyenne yeah. and Arapaho people. Okay, now for you, how many 14ers have you climbed? I don't know, maybe a dozen. Does that include Mount Evans? It does not. Well, what about Mount Blue Sky? I could drive up there. I've still never even taken that road. I need to do it. Now that it's Blue Sky, we might have to take a trip. How high do you think it is? 14,167 feet. It is 14,265 feet. Now, there's Governor John Evans, who's kind of responsible for this atrocity you know what else is named after him? What, the mountain? No, what you else mean, is named after Governor Evans around oh, here? Oh, the main street, the main thoroughfare, yes. Evans, yes. Right. It's got to become so Blue Sky now. Is it going to become Blue Sky thoroughfare? I, I'm for it. <laughs> I haven't heard about that. It's going to have to go through Denver, Lakewood, Aurora. Where else does Evans go through? Probably those are the cities most impacted. Right. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if sure they'll agree on that. Goes. Anyway, it's a Shonda for the uh, Evans family, but I think good for uh, just remedying. You know, you just can't get past a massacre of 230 innocent people, right? It wasn't a war thing. It was just a massacre. Yeah. Women, children, they took their... You know, their their scalps and paraded through Denver. It was terrible. So I don't care what else Evans did. That's just too awful. Just too awful. What was his involvement in that? He, he, he was the Colorado uh, military wing, which the governor controlled. I see. And uh, there was a guy named Chivington. I'm not the all-time expert on this, yeah. but— I know it's been sorted out, and I know what side I'm on. Yeah, I'm on the troubadour side because 
I'm thinking, okay, Mount Blue Sky. Does Dave Gunders have a song that involves blue in it? And then I'm thinking, well, the blues? Would you consider yourself a blues singer? I do. No, I really don't. <laughs> but you try it, right? Well, I did an album where I was, you know, I was uh, learning a lot of the um, styles, acoustic blues in particular. Um, but and I wanted to um, put together what I what I'd learned. But it was more, you know, it it was it was less original music than it is a, a, a presenting of a blues style of music. But I love this song, "Going Away Blues," and I like your spelling because you don't spell out G O I N G. He used an apostrophe. That's right. What's the thinking? The thinking is it's a rural kind of approach. It's you right. know, it's southern. laid back. Yeah, no, it's southern. That's right. That's right. So no, what was, else inspired Going Away Blues? Well, I think that was, um, I think uh, there was an album out uh, of a, of a um, singer at, at the time uh, in the 30s, Jimmy Rogers. Not the white Jimmy Rogers. There was a, there was a black bluesman, Jimmy Rogers, um, who was a terrific guitar player and um i had gotten this album where keith richards had joined him and some other luminaries of the of, of the rock era maybe I'm, I'm not sure maybe jeff beck was on it but i know keith richards was the main guy and um they they honored him by doing his music with him they actually jammed together he's dead now but um they they worked with him on this album and uh i i was i was inspired by that nice and don't you see how it fits? Now the name Evans is going away. Going away blues. Going away blues. Going but away you know blues. who testified in support of the name going away? There's a great article in the Colorado Sun. And yes, I worked for them as columnist at large, but this is the best reporting I've seen. His great-great-granddaughter, she has a different last name, said, please... It would be only fair to the Native Americans for you to do this for that. Oh, she supported it. Yeah, she oh, supported great. it. Isn't that something? That's great. Yeah. So there's 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 some uh, there's some evolution there in the Evans family. That's right. Yeah, yeah, an evolution in their thinking. Right. And I I tried to get uh, Walker Stapleton, who was, you know, when he was running for governor, his grandfather was part of the Klan. What can he do? It wasn't him. Right. Was it his great-grandfather, grandfather, whatever who was? I said, why don't you come on my radio show and you can apologize to me on behalf of my grandfather who was probably discriminated uh, against by your grandfather since my grandfather was a Denver lawyer who couldn't go to court because there were Klan guys waiting for him down there. Anyway, it's interesting how that spasmed out 100 years ago. Scott Levin, my guest from the ADL. He's magnificent. We talk about so many interesting things, but I'm going to let you go cook your chicken and your song, Going Away Blues. Can we dedicate it to Mount Blue Sky? I think so. Sounds appropriate. Thanks, Troubadour. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom, Craig.
is a great sponsor of my show, but more than that, he's my lawyer, my end-of-life planning lawyer, and I've got two dogs. What about you? I have two dogs right now as well. And not only do you love your dogs at home with your kids and your wife, but you get involved with dog issues in your law practice. Tell everybody about that. So I will write pet trusts, which is, you can earmark money to take care of your pets. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, they've got their dogs and you know, they love their dogs. But then if somebody were to, you know, if, you're to, if you were to pass away, you know, who's going to take your dogs? Who would, who would love your dogs as much as you do? I don't know that anybody would love your dogs as much as you do. 
but like I grew up with dogs and so if I were to pass away then my parents or my siblings could take the dogs so when you set up a pet trust you can dictate who's going to get those dogs and then who you can leave money to take care of the dogs as well. I like working with you and I think you are ahead of your time. You have 15 different locations. How cool is that? It's, it is nice to be able to go to all the different locations and you know meet people where it's comfortable and more convenient for them. And nobody wants to drive from one part of Metro Denver to the other to meet with a lawyer. You will come to them. Yep, and I'll deal with traffic so you don't have to. Tell us how people can get in touch with you. My direct phone number is 720-394-6887, or they can go to my website, which is mobileestateplanning.com. And again, that's mobileestateplanning.com. And there's even a schedule, you know, there's a book an appointment link on this on the website. All right, Michael Bailey, thank you. Hey, I have some exciting news. I am starting my brand new law firm. It's Attitude, mine. The legal skills, mine. The support staff, incredible. Find us online soon at craigscoloradolaw.com. Find me right now on Twitter at Craig's Colorado. Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. Hey, that's a perfect show. At least the song is perfect. I'm not perfect, but Troubadour Dave Gunders every week. Going Away Blues, perfect for Mount Blues Guy. Replacing Evans. John Evans, what did you do, man? You can't massacre people. That's what it's all about. Good government, not bad government. Freedom to speak about it. Talk about what's good, what's bad. I hope you thought this show was good. If you did, tell a friend, give us five stars, share, enjoy. Until next time, happy Thanksgiving. Be well. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening. Tune in live every Saturday morning, 9 to noon, Mountain Time. Visit thecraigsilvermanshow.com for the podcast, blog, and more. Be sure to subscribe on all major podcasting platforms to be updated when new episodes are available. This has been The Craig Silverman Show.